Clay Young from Global News Morning joined us live from the site of the Brady Road Barricade. He was there all morning. He spoke to City Councilor Russ Wyatt, who was really fired up, and he found out from one of the protesters what it would take for them to leave peacefully. Ozempic and its rise in Canada and how advertising affects us from the U.S. This is the drug that they made for diabetes, but people are now using it for weight loss. The fish flies are here. Have you ever wondered what their purpose is? Turns out, if you see a lot of them, that's a good thing. More and more businesses and retailers are going towards cashless payments. What's your thought on that? And things we know we should do more often, but we don't. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb, who's off this week. We are Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. And this is the Wednesday, July 12th podcast for The Start. It's Mackling and McGarry. McNabb is off this week. We've got bomber tickets up for grabs for next Thursday, July 20th. Edmonton Elks in town. And here's the question. Do you ever think, ah, I got a dentist appointment tomorrow. Maybe I should floss. And then you're surprised at the ensuing bloodbath, at the ensuing carnage. Because that's what happened last night to me. I remembered, oh, yeah, I got a... Got a dentist appointment tomorrow. I should probably floss because I, <laughs> yeah, every year when I go to the dentist, I always say I got I to gotta floss more often. Not every day, but when it's needed. And I don't honestly know if I've done it once since my last <laughs> dentist appointment. And it showed. It showed last night. Well, at least you're not 11 years between appointments. Yeah, the nine years was as long as I went. That was carnage. So that's that's what I'm looking to avoid. So the question is. Is there something you know you should do more often, but you just don't for whatever reason? And it doesn't have to be health related. It could have to do with your phone. Like, I don't know about you, but I take lots and lots of pictures and I never go through them. And then they just clogged out, clog up my phone. And then now my Google photos cloud is full. So I don't have any where to back this stuff up unless I buy more. And I don't want to do that because I'm cheap, but in order to, clear room in the cloud. It's going to take me eight hours to go through that. And then I got to spend several hours on my phone. If I just did it every day. Anyway, what should you do more often, but you just don't. Let's start with Tyson Ruicki in on the morning sports today. Greetings, Tyson. Hey, how's it going? All right, sir. Oh, perfect. What you got for us? I I'm really bad at not going to the doctors. Like that's, it's something where I just, I, I like to, to think that my body is going to, is going to prove me right. I mean, so far I'm undefeated, but I'm just, <laughs> <You're 24. laughs> I'm just waiting. I'm waiting for that. You know, when it's, when it's necessary, I feel like it's not necessary yet. My body, my body's still good enough, but I know that that's just asking for trouble. And I don't know how to convert this to a metric for you youngsters out there, but have you not heard the saying an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure? That's a long time, though, out of my day. It's a couple hours out of my day. I can't, I can't lose that. So, like, when you're, you mean just for regular checkups or period? I don't feel good. I should go to the doctor, but I'm not going to. Yeah, all around. I mean, I haven't, I haven't gone to my regular checkup. I'm a little overdue for that, so I'm probably, probably gonna have to book that sometime within the year. <laughs> Maybe maybe end of the year when it gets colder. How about out? after the show? When I get off the air at ten o'clock, I'm gonna sit beside you and and watch you book your an, an annual checkup. 
Well, I could always cancel that. That's fine. I'm your radio dad, after all. <laughs> all right, Tyson, and you are definitely not alone no. in that one, Tyson. Uh, what about uh, Ross Levitan in this morning for Sarah McCarthy? Well, I can relate to that. I, I haven't been to the doctor since I moved here. I, I don't know a single Come doctor on, in, in Winnipeg. So, yeah, maybe that's my excuse. Reach out. Email us. Let, let me know. Sell yourself as a doctor, and, and we'll make something happen. For both take two-for-one deal. You get two patients out of it. Ross wants you to apply for the job as his personal physician. Yes. Taking applications now. Mine's probably a pretty common one, but uh, just because my exercise bike is right beside my desk, it's collecting dust, uses a hanger, I should probably, you know, actually use it for what it's made for. Yeah. The, 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 the exercise bikes, the, the treadmills, I think we've all been in a home where we, our friends use it as a laundry basket or whatever, coat rack, makeshift coat rack. Like, do you ever use this as a treadmill? <laughs> no, it, nope. it broke a long time ago and never got it fixed. Apparently it's quite expensive to get them fixed. Oh, it's quite expensive to buy them in the first place. <laughs> so... Might as well it, use it, them. It's for almost what a fat intended. tax, though, right? Like I bought it, so I'm just paying for myself not to use it. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever makes you feel better, Russ. What about you, Mackling? Oh, uh, dusting. You know, there's all sorts of chores that I hate around the house, and I'll do them, and I always manage to to get certain things done. But it's a, uh, it's almost like the uh, equivalent of going through your emails and your pictures on your phone with a fine tooth comb and going, yes, I don't need this one. No, I don't need 12 pictures of exactly the same view of my backyard garden, all these different things, right? Uh, 13 pictures of whiskey or Abby that are essentially <laughs> exactly the same, but I don't take the time, but yeah, it's dusting like the baseboards and the, and the, and the, uh, and the ceiling fans and the light fixtures and cleaning my uh, my kitchen cabinets and the handles and all that stuff. I just I need to do it more because yeah. it would just you know that's that's the fine touches of uh, keeping keeping a clean home. So I gotta it put is, it on a list. It is so satisfying though once you finish it, and that's the weird no thing. No question, man. Because with the satisfaction that you get after, but then you still just never do it. You never want to do it. Never want to do it, but. You know, it's like all the stainless steel appliances you have in your house. At least in our in our kitchen, we've got four of them. And when they're clean, ah, it feels so good. It's like after I walk, wash my car, I got to walk, look back over my shoulder, admire it. Yeah, it looks good. Take another couple of steps. Yeah, look, I, I need to do that more in the house. I take no satisfaction when dusting is done because I know in 24 hours. You're going to have to do it again. <laughs> uh, Forte, what about you? I feel like this is a, a confession day. It is. <laughs> it I was really thinking is. that too. Oh, my word. Uh, my thing is I need to be cooking more. Like do actual some home cooking. Like I, I, I like to order out here and there. I don't eat terribly, but I don't cook enough. Like it's just to me, it, it takes so much time and work and it's just. Well, when you live down the block from Mary Brown's. I know. That's <laughs> It's, it's, it's an issue. It really is. Oh, my word. I mean, I'm, now I'm embarrassed. No, but I, I don't cook enough, and I really should. And I would love to learn, like, how to cook great things. Our new guy here, Jason, he says he can cook up a storm. And, like, it's just it's embarrassing that I just uh, – and there's, there's some times where I'll be like, oh, you know what? I want to make eggs, but, oh, it's going to stink up my place, so I'm not going to make eggs. <laughs> it's just the weirdest stuff.
It is Mackling and McGarry. McNabb is off this week. In a moment, we are going to be talking about a drug that was meant for one thing and is now being used for another. But before that, something from our previous segment on what's something you should do more often, but you don't. Yeah, I was admonishing uh, Tyson Rewicki about the fact that he hasn't been to a doctor. And I said, have you not heard of of the saying, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure? Well, Andy did the metric conversion for us. (laughs) 28 grams of prevention is worth 454 grams of cure. Andy adds, doesn't quite have the same ring, does it? It does not. You're correct, Andy. (laughs) Thanks for doing the math. Fantastic, Andy. Thank you so much for that. So tell us something that you know you should do more often, but you just don't for a chance to win tickets for the Bombers next Thursday, July 20th. We'll pick a winner at 9.15. Now, if you watch commercial television, then you've seen the commercials. I just asked. Just ask. Is Ozempic right for you? Just ask your doctor or visit ozempic.ca. Well, information obtained by CJOB would indicate many are asking. The number of Manitobans taking a popular diabetes medication that has also been known to be an effective weight loss drug has skyrocketed in the last two years. Here's Global's news, Global News reporter Jeff Braun. Just under 3,000 people in the province were taking Ozempic in the spring of 2021, according to the Drug Program's Information Network. That number has more than quadrupled in the first three months of this year to over 13,000. The medication was originally designed to help those with type 2 diabetes. However, a lot of people have been taking it for weight loss, which may have led to shortages in different parts of the world. However, what's not immediately clear in the data from the Drug Program's Information Network is whether the mass of increase in Ozempic use is because it's being prescribed to diabetes patients or those looking to lose weight. Jeff Braun, Global News. Associate Professor in the Department of Family and Community Medicine at the University of Toronto, Dr. Joel Lection joins us now. Dr. Lection, good morning. Good morning to you too. So when Ozempic came to market, when it was developed, when it was approved for use, what was its intended use? Its intended use was to um, treat what's called type 2 diabetes. In other words, this is where the insulin doesn't act as effectively as it should in reducing blood sugar. This drug promotes the release of more insulin, lowering blood sugar. But what people found out was it had another effect, which was it promoted satiety. In other words, a feel feeling of fullness after you'd eaten so you didn't eat as much so then as we learn as we work to learn what percentage of ozempic prescriptions in manitoba were for type 2 diabetes and which were for other uses what is it that concerns you about the way this product is being marketed well this is a very aggressive marketing campaign in fact in the uk the united kingdom the company that makes Ozempic um, was actually suspended from the um, industry association because of the way it was marketing a sister drug. Um, So this company is spending a lot of money 
because this drug has a huge potential. Um, in Canada right now, about just under 30% of people, um, are adults, are considered obese. So if you translate that into numbers, we're looking at millions of people. And if each of those people were prescribed Ozempic, that's an awful lot of money going into the company's coffers. So it's worthwhile for them to push it heavily um, to try and up those prescription numbers. Now, we listened to the Canadian commercial off the top, Dr. Lection. And if you're seeing the Canadian television commercials, you're likely seeing the U.S. ones as well. Here's, here's just a taste, Brett. In a study with Ozempic, a majority of adults lowered their blood sugar and reached an A1C of less than 7 and maintained it. Oh, under 7. And you may lose weight. In the same one-year study, adults lost on average up to 12 pounds. Oh, up to 12 pounds. So how problematic is that, the idea that those American commercials infiltrate Canada? You know, one's quite subtle, one very, very overt. Well, there was actually some research done into this, into the effect of American commercials a few years ago. And it found that aside from Quebec, and that's because of the language difference, um, American commercials did affect Canadian um patients in terms of asking for um, asking for the drugs that were being promoted. They went to their doctors and tried to get prescriptions for them. not everybody, but a substantial number of people. So the American um, the American ads that we see on TV do affect us here in Canada. So if I'm struggling with weight loss but don't have diabetes, should I be talking to my doctor about Ozempic? So we have to recognize Ozempic is effective. Um, People can lose up to 12, 13% of their body weight. So if you weighed 300 pounds, you might lose 40 pounds. Um, But the downside is that if you want to keep that weight weight loss off, you're going to have to keep using Ozempic for the rest of your life. Um, the studies that have been done show that once you stop taking the drug, that weight goes right back on. The other thing that um, is unknown at this point is whether or not there, there are any long-term side effects from Ozempic. Um, there was a study, there was a paper published a few years ago that listed 25 different weight loss drugs that had been put on the market in various countries around the world, and all 25 had been withdrawn, most of them because they were unsafe. Um, We don't know if that's going to be the case for Ozempic over the long term. And finally, and from a physician's point of view, most importantly, um, we're concerned about weight about obesity because it's linked to things like heart disease, some kinds of cancer, osteoarthritis. But as yet, there's no evidence to show that Ozempic and the weight loss it induces actually leads to or prevents heart disease, the cancers associated with obesity. So when you take this drug, um, you're taking it for life and you don't actually know if it's going to um, improve your your actual health. 
Dr. Joel Lection, thank you so much for your insight on this topic. Associate Professor in the Department of Family and Community Medicine, University of Toronto. We appreciate your expert insight on this. Thank you. Thank you very much. Mackling and McGarry McNabb's off just getting some feedback on Ozempic. We just had this conversation on the drug that was designed for diabetes and is now being used by many simply for weight loss. And what uh, we understand sounds like it's pretty pricey. It's pricey. It's popular. Uh, two conflicting prices here in the text line already. So I'd like your feedback at 7806868. Lisa says this. I asked my doctor about a Zempic. She's not a drug pusher at all. However, she says this is a miracle molecule. However, it is very expensive. It is approximately $5,000 a year to take. So about $400 a month. A little too expensive for this girl. Those are Lisa's words. And then Rudy says Ozempic is $200 a month. Some health plans don't cover it. Canada Life covers it. My next discussion with my doctor, and I was reading just in the last couple of days that some health plans, some insurance plans are are dialing back whether or not they actually uh, cover Ozempic or not. So what's your experience been? We'd love to hear from you. And we are reminded that we have bomber tickets to give away at 204-780-6868. We're asking you this morning about something that you should do more often, but you just don't. And this was inspired by how I flossed last night for the first time. And I don't remember how long because I have a dentist appointment today. And as you can surmise, it did not go very well. So I know I should floss more often. I know I should check my bank account more often so that I am not surprised when suddenly I am low on cash. Like um, when you get that note from the bank saying you have passed the threshold and it's and you get paid on June 30th. Yes. And then you get that note on June, July 3rd. Yes. And you're like, whoa, looks like I had a really good weekend. <laughs> but what am I going to do for the next 12 days? Yeah, that threshold. I don't know what it is for you. That threshold is uh, about a hundred bucks. That's when I get the notification and it scares me to no end when I get it. Yeah. So it's been a rough (laughs) few days to say the least. Wiener water soup again, Brett. Anxious for Friday for payday. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Our question of the day, by the way, at cjob.com for Mr. Furness. Don't call them first. You'll see why. Call Mr. Furness at 204-832-6243. Inspired by a conversation yesterday on the news with Rich and Julie with Kevin Donnelly about more True North facilities going cashless. The question is, how often do you use cash? 18% say always, 34% say sometimes, 37% say rarely, and 11% say never. Cast your vote at cjob.com. Not even in a vending machine? I guess you can use your credit card in those, too. But if the, if the connection's down, then your morning is sunk. You want that bag of Cheetos, uh, Jalapeno, Cheddar, Crunchies, and the credit card machine's out? Then your morning's ruined. On uh, Friday night at the Blue Bomber game, my boys were lamenting the fact that uh, the, the stand with the cheap hot dogs... That their machine was down. He goes, of, of course, the one with the cheap hop dogs. The machine's oh, not working. Geez. 
All right, so cast your vote, cjob.com. In 90 seconds, we are talking fish flies. But before that, Global News Morning reporter Clay Young is at Brady Road this morning. He is speaking to city councillors and those who are there to protest the Premier's announcement on provincial involvement in a possible search of Prairie Green Landfill. So you're one of uh, just a small group that actually stayed the night last night. Yes, definitely. Uh, we were here for quite some time, actually. We were here for about like almost a whole week straight. During the day... Uh, do you see a lot of vehicles trying to get into the landfill? They may be unaware that, that you're holding this uh, protest? Yeah, a lot of them try to get in. A lot of them uh, understand, too, when they uh, see the sign up and they're, or they just don't care. Sometimes it's ignorance. They just come through anyway, and then they ask a bunch of uh, ignorant questions. Sometimes it's good questions they ask. Sometimes it's just curious questions. You yeah. know? So then again, you got to really watch out for the ones that actually do try to um, they divide the people here by spilling their ignorance a lot. So that's the uh, ones that we have to really watch out, especially the ones that try to infiltrate us as one of us who are here to cause drama and chaos. That's the thing we don't want is drama and conflict. So that's pretty much what we have to watch out for. Okay. That's Trey Delaron with Clay Young. Clay joins us an hour from now, Brett. On Monday, we received several messages from listeners saying an annual right of summer had begun on either side of Lake Winnipeg. Here's part of a report from Marty Blunt of Global News, July 21st, 2020. They're lining the picnic tables, the piers, and the sidewalks of Gimli. This insect influx, a sure sign of summer along the shores of Lake Winnipeg. Yesterday, we were just covered in them. Like I went home, my car was covered in them. You couldn't get them off yourself. All over the cottage, all over the cars. The annual hatch of fish flies, also known as mayflies, is particularly significant this year, but they don't last long. The bugs only live about 24 hours, and the arm of Gimli is already sweeping them up. People that uh, have never seen fish flies, they're kind of curious, you know, they're, they're not sure what they're all about. They kind of want to stay away from them, sort of. Once they get told by the locals that they're harmless, they're quite more relaxed about it. Harmless? But what is the purpose of these creatures? Let's ask Manitoba Lakes lover and professor of biology at the University of Winnipeg, Scott Forbes. Good morning, Professor Forbes. How are you? I'm doing just great. So what role do mayflies or fish flies play in the animal kingdom? Well, they're, they're food for just about everything around the lakes. So when you get a big hatch of, of either mayflies or coronamids, you'll notice there are things like Franklin's gulls and, and purple martins and swallows um, swarming up through the air. Um, the the larvae are, are important food for fish in the lakes. Uh, so they're basically manna from heaven for, for most of the animals that are out there. First of all, is it officially mayflies or are fish flies different or is fish flies just what we call them colloquially? That it's a colloquial name which covers actually um, a, a large group of, of two very different insects. Um, uh, mayflies, which are the, the showstoppers, they're the ones which you shovel out of the streets and they're the big ones and you recognize them by the forked tails they have. But um, the ones which, which we get on Lake Manitoba, which have multiple hatches during the summer, are smaller. They're called coronamids or, or midges. They, they sort of look like mosquitoes. Um, you, you see them, they have big feathery antenna, but they don't sting like mosquitoes, but they, they show up in enormous numbers. Uh, and to the point where sometimes you're shoveling them too. And so they're, they're related to mosquitoes. The, the, the mayflies are related to, to dragonflies and damselflies. So what is the life cycle of the mayfly? Because we understand that it's, uh, when you think about it, it's, it almost seems like 
sort of sad. It's, well, um, I don't know if it's sad. It's 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 the culmination of a couple of years where they, they the eggs are laid in the water, they sink to the bottom, and and. Uh, the larvae um, uh, live in the mud at the bottom of the lake, and then after one or two years, they they go through um, um, an immature stage, and then and then get to the top of the water column where they emerge and, and start flying. And they only live for, in some cases, as, as little as a few hours to to a few days, uh, and and they're there to have sex. Um, they those giant mating swarms are males. Um, who are hoping that females will will join them, and and uh, and so you see them in the evenings. Um, both coronamids and mayflies do the same thing. They form giant mating swarms of males where females visit. Um, they have sex, uh, and then the females go off and lay their eggs, and then everybody dies. Yeah, so it sounds like a just a big party. So before we let you go, Professor, does the volume of the flies indicate a certain level of health? Of oh, the yeah. overall lake ecology, is it, is it a good gauge? Oh yeah, absolutely. It's um, if you have abundant um, mayflies and coronamids, uh, that means you've got a healthy lake ecosystem. It's incredibly productive. Um, so it, it's actually a good sign. It may be inconvenient for a few days, but it's um, it's a really good sign of a healthy environment. What uh, what exactly like? How does it improve the the health of the ecosystem? Well, it's basically an index of, of productivity, aquatic productivity. So if you have lots of, of mayflies, lots of coronamids, it means there's lots of nutrients. Um, um, you know, we have the appropriate rearing conditions. We have good oxygen conditions. It's just a, it's basically a signal of a healthy environment. Because I'm looking at a picture here that was sent to us from one of our listeners, Mark. Uh, he pointed, he says, as a lifelong Gimlinger, um, he sent us some pictures from 2016, and uh, he says they, it was the last time we were hit hard. Uh, it's like laying carpet on the dock. It, 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 it honestly looks apocalyptic. Uh, so it looks like there was just a little too much to feed the rest of the animals dependent on them. Yeah, well, I've got to tell you, I'd be worried if they didn't show up. That would be a sign of uh, there's something wrong. So it's, it's actually a good sign. Like I said, it's inconvenient for a short period of time, but it's, it's, it's something It's a, it's a, a symptom of a, of a healthy environment. All right. Well, Scott Forbes, thanks for the insight on this. It's one of those things that we kind of scratch your head about from time to time, so we really do appreciate it. Uh, My pleasure. He is a professor of biology at the University of Winnipeg and a Manitoba Lakes lover, Scott Forbes. And if you want to see more uh, what appear to be apocalyptic things, I would suggest you watch the uh, Our Planet 2 documentary on Netflix that was all focused on the migration of different species of animals. And they cover things like locusts, how uh, they, they starts off as a march of the locusts, and then eventually they they grow their wings like billions of them, and the footage they got is crazy. Or then you get those those little uh, crabs on Christmas Island, right? So they so they 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 come out of the forest, and mm-hmm. there are millions of them, and they lay billions upon billions of eggs, and then they come out, and they're these tiny little things, and they wash over the land like a red carpet, and you wonder like. And the people, like, they've actually built bridges for them to crawl up and over the street. Uh, and otherwise, they, they've got people who are out sort of shoveling them across the street or helping them to get across the street. Just wild to to learn the things that we just kind of really have to deal with. Yeah, take for granted, uh, maybe don't understand. And uh, some of the things that, that, that perhaps were nuisance and seen as a nuisance, Professor Forbes saying, yeah, they are for a few days, 
but he'd be more concerned if they didn't show up. So lots of signals from Mother Nature as to the, the health of our planet and ecology for sure. Couple of quick thoughts, Carol, on no cash. When we were in Vegas, both sports stores at uh, T-Mobile and uh, Raider store on the Strip refused to take American cash. The sports stores all said they hadn't taken cash since COVID. Bill on the text line says, when I went to Toronto to see the Jets play the Leafs, Scotia Bank place was completely cashless. Anything associated with the NFL is totally cashless, including the large NFL store in Vegas. What nobody is saying is that it costs you... Uh, seven dollars to activate their prepaid visa thanks for that bill because that uh, dovetails into a text message we got from scott about using a prepaid visa i went to great wolf lodge in minneapolis saved u.s money for months buying some every payday got to the hotel the entire place was cashless told us we couldn't use cash said we could buy visa gift cards but they have fees in the u.s so a 200 dollars card cost 206 dollars Learned a lesson there. So continue to weigh in on that. Our question of the day for Mr. Furness has been updated. Don't call them first, by the way, Mr. Furness. You'll see why. Call Mr. Furness at 204-832-6243. What do you think of more retailers and businesses moving to cashless payments? I'm good with it. I'm on the fence. Or I hate it. Take my cash. Caster vote at cjob.com. And just on the contest question this morning, we are asking you... For a chance to win bomber tickets for Thursday, July 20th against the Edmonton Elks, what's something you know you should do more often, but you just don't? And let's just keep this one anonymous. Things I don't do enough. If you ask my dentist, it's flossing. That's the inspiration for this conversation. I have a dentist appointment today, so I decided to floss last night, and it was carnage. If you ask my husband, it's sex. LOL. And if you ask me, it's reading novels. <laughs> okay. Thank you for the honesty. 204-780-6868. We'll pick a winner at 915. And by the way, the final score in the Seabears game last night, Winnipeg Seabears lost 99-96. That was a question. What was the final score? Forte, who won those tickets? Kara Thompson. Kara Thompson, congratulations. Enjoy the game on Sunday as the Seabears host the Calgary Surge at Canada Life Centre. Okay, so this happened uh, just after 7.30. Clay Young, Global News Morning, he's at the Brady Road Barricade, and this is what happened while he was reporting. But here's, here's something that just happened. Uh, Rudy noticed that one of the protesters, supporters, just came up to the main barricade and began pouring gasoline on uh, the lumber, the, the, the wood structure here and the tires. You can see the gas can. He has put it down, and then he, he uh, moved on. You can, uh, well, right now, you, I can smell easily the smell of gas as we got up to it, the very powerful smell of gasoline. I asked uh, the supporter about this, and he said, you know, just in case... Uh, they make a move to remove us. I said, are you planning on setting this on fire? He said, if it comes to that. If it that, comes to that. It would be an escalation, uh, to say the least. Uh, I would consider this an escalation of action by these protesters. Uh, if a match is lit, that would be uh, yet another uh, heightened uh, Escalation and also would, uh, I would say, create uh, some some higher tension in the community, but most certainly uh, there at Brady Road.
Yeah, I'm definitely so. I'm, I was surprised to hear this. Uh, so Clay Young's going to join us m- with more at 8:35. And just to recap, this is what Mayor Scott Gillingham said yesterday. I've offered to meet you know, with the families. I've sent that message to uh, through through a third party to to the families. I'm I'm always open to to meet and, and dialogue. Look, tensions are you know tensions are high, kind of on both sides. We've got people of the community that have you know that I'm hearing from that want the road open and they're frustrated and no doubt you know family members are are grieving the loss of loved ones and they want action from senior levels of government so you know we're trying to trying to move clearly but 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 uh, but respectfully and cautiously so hopefully that there can be uh, a dialogue and a peaceful conversation as opposed to setting a barricade uh, with wooden planks jammed into tires on fire Yeah, of course, the city yesterday filed for an injunction. The court is expected to hear that application tomorrow. And uh, we will hear from Clay Young on the scene at Brady Road uh, coming up just after the global news at 8.30, about 8.35, 8.36. It is Mackling and McGarry. McNabb is off today. And we just want to get right into this here. Global News Morning's Clay Young is at the Brady Road Landfill Blockade and joins us now live on The Start. Clay, good morning to you, sir. Hello, how are you? Doing all right. We're doing all right. So last half hour, we played some of the audio that you reported on in the previous hour. What's going on with gasoline? Well, I guess this would have been about uh, an hour or so ago. Uh, we were getting ready for our next uh, hit on Global, and uh, my cameraman, my videographer, Rudy, all of a sudden motioned to me to take a look over at the main barricade, and one of the the supporters of this barricade, I had to do a double take because I wasn't sure what I was seeing. He had a big gas can, and he was now pouring gasoline all over the main barricade, and, and primarily is made up of... Uh, wood and and tires and i i said to the fellow are you prepared to light this thing on fire he said if it comes to that because if they come barreling down the road here we're gonna we're gonna set it on fire and you can clearly even now i just walked over to you you can clearly smell uh gasoline you know we're all hoping that this thing will will end peacefully but you never know I'm going to bring in uh, City Councilor Janice Lukes, who's arrived on scene. So what do you think of what, what's been transpiring here in the last few days? It's just heartbreaking, right? It's just heartbreaking. I'm, I'm looking at the mural. Um, it's very emotional. It's, it's just really heartbreaking. And I just hope everything goes peacefully. We have the right to protest in Canada. We can protest peacefully. Um, we just have a big pile up of garbage we got to deal with, so we've got to sort this out. But it's, it's very complicated. You you just I uh, just noticed you walked over to one of the um, the supporters of the blockade, and you were you were exchanging pleasantries, I guess. Yeah, we were having a good talk about how. I mean, you know, my constituency, my ward, backs onto Brady Landfill, and I've taken many tours with residents through Brady to understand the operations and how it works. And I was talking to him about that and how. Ironically, right beside the perimeter, it can be so peaceful. We're hearing the birds, we're hearing, you know, we're seeing birds flying around. We see the beautiful clover and smell it. And yeah, it's it's just so tragic. Yeah. Now, um, City Councilor Russ, Russ Wyatt 
uh, from the Transcona Ward is expected to join us shortly. He's en route. He's been delayed by road construction, but he sent uh, me an email saying that he is totally against the filing of an injunction to bring this barricade down. The mayor, Mayor Gillingham, supports the injunction. You support the injunction. Uh, Explain in layman's terms why it is so important to bring these barricades down and get the landfill running back to normal uh, because there's there's environmental concerns each day these barricades stay up mm-hmm. well the landfill is a very complicated place it's not just dumping dumping it's very complicated it's got a complete think of a sewer system it's got a, a complete um intricate um, pipes and drainage system underneath the mounds and and it collects what's called leachate so when it rains or when things decompose it's this fluid that is in all these this piping network and it's drained they continually drain it and they hold it in a holding tank I've seen the tank it's a huge tank it has to be emptied um, sometimes two three times a week um, and it goes to the sewage treatment plant and gets treated if it's not emptied it, it's going to overflow it flows into our water tables it flows into the system of <laughs> underground and uh, could create a huge environmental hazard so that's a big concern fortunately the supporters here at the landfill are are allowing the tr- the leachate to be removed but I'd have to say this is a very volatile situation. Yeah. So we don't know what's going to happen. No, we don't. And we're going to be here pretty much all through the day to find out what is going to happen. So uh, that that judge could make could have that application in front of him at any time now. So we'll just have to wait and see. Thank you so much. Yeah, we just have to work together and talk through this. And it's it's just heartbreaking but we have to deliver a service. We have to remove garbage because it's a huge environmental hazard. All right. Councillor Lukes, thank you. All right. Let's uh, go back to you guys. Hey, Clay, just before you go here, uh, Councillor Luke was talking about the environmental impact of of not dumping the garbage appropriately and, and handling that leaching uh, leach material. Uh, one of our listeners sort of pointing out the idea of, of pouring gasoline where it was poured. If... If you can describe where it is, is that adjacent to any any ditches, that sort of thing? Because we know those ditches are an integral part of uh, the water system as well. Well, I'm about, ooh, I'm just walking right up to it. I'm, I'm about two feet from the main barricade, and it's, it's on the road. You know, you come off uh, Waverly, you come down the side road, and that's where, I, that's where we are right now, and that takes you into the landfill uh it's on the road i mean i think it's sufficiently within the lines that even if it did go up in flames it's not going to spread out into the into the grass but now i'm i'm right behind i'm looking right at two gas canisters and you can smell the gas you know it 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 almost you know makes me nauseous so i'm i'm going to sort of move away from it but you know uh, I don't know what's going to happen. I, I uh, somebody said when when this was happening, somebody said they mean business. So we're going to have to see what what how the other side responds to this. And like I said, we all want this thing to end peacefully. Uh, 
So that's where we're at. And Clay, one more question before we let you go. One of our listeners is asking if we know what the the end game is, so to speak, from these uh, protesters. Uh, have, of the, those supporters you've spoken with, like let's say they're allowed to stay and are not removed. Um, do we know how long they're prepared to stay? Like what what will what will make them or what will allow them to leave? Is it would it be action from the province? Is that the only if, like that's it? They're waiting for the premier to say, okay, we'll search Prairie Green, or we're going to stay here until that happens. Um, hey, Ty, come here for a sec. Let's uh, just find out. Ty, we're on the radio right yeah, now. Yeah. We're on CJOB. Yeah. Um, what would make you guys just peacefully leave? Um, Heather Stefferson going back to the negotiating table to talk with the family and to come up with a better solution. That's all I need. Thank you, sir. You bet. Okay. So they're calling on the premier. Let's 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 sit down and talk about this and um, go back to the drawing board. Okay. Global News Mornings. Clay Young. Thank you very much, sir. All righty. Our question of the day at cjob.com is for Mr. Furness. Don't call them first. You'll see why. Call Mr. Furness at 204-832-6243. What do you think of more retailers and businesses moving to cashless payments? So far at cjob.com, we have 52% who say, I hate it. Take my cash. 24% say I'm good with it. 24% say I'm on the fence. We also put that up on Twitter at 680CJOB, where 49% say I'm fine with it, 18% say I'm on the fence, and 33% say I hate it. Take my cash. So you can cast your vote at cjob.com. On the subject of cash, by the way, the Bank of Canada has raised its key interest rate by a quarter of a percentage point this morning, bringing it to 5%. Now, on the subject of cash and where you might want to spend your cash. We're about to tell you about an exciting event being held this weekend from a business that was only supposed to be open in the outlet mall for a couple of months. But when we spoke to them more than a year after that, this was back in October of 2022 at this point, we learned that they were expanding. And clearly business is moving along nicely based on what's happening this weekend. They're called The Locals. Matthew Manzano from The Locals joins us now live on 680 CJOB. Matthew, good morning to you, sir. Good morning, Greg. How are you doing? Doing all right. It's just Brett right now. Greg's uh, Greg set this up, but uh, he's off in another room, so it's just Brett today. But um, we got to ask you, why don't for those who aren't aware? I know we spoke to Narissa uh, Manzano back in October, but if if for those who maybe have never co- come across the locals, what is it? Yeah. So basically, we are a store, and all we do is we support local. We uh, try to. Uh, buy from local businesses and try to showcase them and put them on, on bigger stages so that they can really let their product shine, let their, let their personality shine as well and uh, be able to have others support them. So you were only supposed to be in the outlet mall for a couple of months originally? Yeah, that's right. They offered us a, a market that we were able to set up in the wintertime and it went so well that they, they really offered us to, to stay there permanently. And because there was such a a big response. We we gladly accepted, and it's gone well ever since. And then you've expanded to CF Polo Park as well. Yeah, that's right. We're also in Polo Park, and we have our our markets coming up as well. So a lot of a lot of stuff on the 
on the table. So before we get to the, the markets, uh, how many vendors or how many local companies would you say you work with uh, for your, your storefronts? Yeah, we work with over 200 uh, local businesses from all over Canada, but we do have an emphasis on ones that are from Winnipeg and Manitoba. So yeah, we have a, we have a lot in the store. So what kind of feedback do you get from customers? Because we often hear things like, I would like to shop local, but I don't really know where to start because a lot of these vendors that you see in these markets are just like places that might do stuff out of their basement or whatever. And then they, they come out for these markets. Um, but, uh, you know, you, if you, you might not know they exist, if you, and you might not even know the market is happening. So when people are walking through the mall and they stroll into your store uh, for the first time, what are they saying to you? Uh, we have a lot of good feedback. A lot of people are wanting to shop local. There's a lot of push for that. Um, so for, for them to be able to go to a spot that's as busy as the mall and be able to see uh, products or even, even ones that they recognize or even new new products and businesses, uh, they're very excited. A lot of them are uh, are real good supporters of us. So uh, we like to do that for, for everyone. So let's talk about the summer of locals you're hosting you've already hosted one market back june 17th and june 18th and the new one the second one is happening this weekend july 15 and 16 so tell us about it where is it happening what's going on yeah so it's at the outlet collection winnipeg we're we're going to be right on the parking lot by entrance one um so it's going to be by h&m and old navy and yeah you're going to see lots of local vendors food trucks, we're having a beer garden, and then we have stuff for the kids as well. We have bounty castles, and, and there's going to be face painting on Sunday. So lots of stuff to do and lots of stuff to see and, and definitely eat as well. <laughs> so uh, beer garden, I, I, I sort of stopped on that in my <laughs> in my head. I, beer garden sounds fun. I, I would imagine that's also local beer? Yeah, so we actually teamed up with Trans Canada Brewing. Um, they're actually actually right by the outlet mall and they're going to be pouring beer. It's going to be $5 a beer. You can come in, uh, you'll get a wristband and a ticket, sit down, enjoy it in the summertime. goes really good with some uh, local food as well. How important would you say these markets for business, like, would you say that businesses like yours are markets like yours are for these vendors? Because we've, we've met a number of uh, these vendors over the years and, they have have since expanded into their own storefronts. I think of uh, Utafia, for example, uh, started off at uh, play at a, at a market, and now they've got their own shop. Uh, but it was really the, these markets that helped them kind of get off the ground. So, what would you say is the level of uh, importance uh, for events like this? Yeah, for small businesses like these events are extremely important. For one, it gives them a little bit more exposure, but also they get to understand their product and their customers and they can really connect with, with the people that they see. So um, there are lots of events going on, a lot of markets going on all summer. We're, we're just one of them. Um, but for to be able to, uh, to connect with, with the customers, connect with the supporters, uh, it, it just makes for a uh, more personal experience, but also you get to see the trajectory of your business, like what's working for you, what's not. And uh, yeah, like you said, some of these products are in grocery stores. They're, they've got their own storefronts. They've got their own cafes now. So yeah, it's just making local businesses grow. Where do I go, by the way, for more information or a list of vendors? Yeah, so you can head to our Instagram. We're the locals WPG. We also have our website, thelocalscollective.ca. Um, yeah, that's 
basically the best way to, to reach us. And by the way, you mentioned that there are markets like this that happen not just through the summer, but through the year. Uh, is there ever any competition to, to get vendors to come to you? Uh, yeah, there is. But we understand, like, there, because there are so many, um, and there are so many small businesses, like, we're just happy to have the ones that we have. Uh, these other um, events, we, we make sure that people go to them, too. We just want the local community to thrive. That's our, that's our main mission. The Summer of Locals, the next market this weekend, July 15 and 16 at the Outlet Collection, Winnipeg. Thank you, Matthew Manzano from the Locals for joining us this morning and for giving us a heads up about this. It sounds like a great time. Thank you so much, Brad. appreciate the, the possibility. 9.13 with Mackling and McGarry. And again, if you've never gone to one of these markets, uh, when you go and see all of the things that people are making and creating right here in their, your own backyard, it's mind-blowing. And you're going to want to spend all of your money, whether it's cash or on debit. <laughs> I, went, I went to a market once, a Christmas market. It was a third and bird Christmas market at the time. And I went in there specifically to buy Christmas gifts for multiple people. And I ended up buying multiple Christmas gifts for myself. And I spent hundreds of dollars in like 90 minutes. I had to actually like extricate myself from the facility because I was in danger of blowing my whole paycheck. So, yeah, it's great stuff to support local. It's Mackling and McGarry. McNabb is off this week. We got bomber tickets to give away for next Thursday, July 20th against Edmonton at IG Field. We're asking you, what's something you know you should do more often, but you don't? Inspired by the fact that I have a dentist appointment today, I decided to floss last night for the first time in God knows how long, and it was a bloodbath. And I, and I, I, I thought, well, you deserve that, you dummy. Uh, Aaron and St. Charles, one of our runners-up says, I definitely don't exercise as much as I should. I have a gym membership. I try to go at least twice a week, but I find it hard to get there at times. And Aaron, I can relate. Before the pandemic started, I was doing great. I had lost 65 pounds over the course of two years, and I I, I started back at the gym in September of 2019. And I, I went, I don't want to say I was going hard, but I was going three to four times consistently every week. Yeah, you were very, very regular there. Yeah, and then the pandemic hit, and then I tried to convince myself, I'll just exercise at home. Well, uh, if you take out orders later and no gym and I became very lazy and sure enough, I gained a lot of that weight back. So don't beat yourself up over that, Aaron. Life is hard. It's hard to find time to go to the gym. Um, For some of us, at least. I'm one of them. (laughs) Others will say, it's not hard to find time. You make time. Make time. You put it in your calendar, a lot of people will say. Make it an appointment like you would a meeting with your boss. There you go. It should be that important to, to you. Bill, uh, well, another runner-up, Greg. We shared this earlier, but we wanted to share this again uh, because there was a follow-up comment from one of our listeners on this. Years ago, before they had computers and cars, my brother bought a brand-new car. About two years after that, he had said to my dad, there's something wrong. The engine is making a funny noise. It's got a tick noise in it. Dad says he looked at it and he took out the dipstick and it was like tar asked my brother when's the last time you did an oil change brother says never done one never had one in two years 
He had 50,000 kilometers on the car, not done a single oil change. Dad says, well, there's your problem. And Eve, by the way, weighing in, uh, because we are wondering about these newer cars that say you can go 10, 15,000. And Eve says, do not change your oil. Ten, don't wait 10,000 kilometers. 6K max. Many brands have ending failures due to these extended oil changes. So I don't know anything about cars, but when Eve tells me something about cars, I listen. And I usually go every five or so. But Ron is our winner. Greg, what does Ron have to say? I should do this. More often, every time or every spring, I tell myself that I should start running. I even have a calendar to mark my days of running. It's almost mid-July, and I haven't even started. The last time I jogged outdoors during the warmer months was over 10 years ago. (laughs) Have a great day. Ron, you have a great day at the Blue Bomber game. Uh, You know what I... I shouldn't say this because I'm encouraging lack of fitness, but Ron, I salute you. I hate running. I think running is stupid. Uh, Ron should teach procrastination (laughs) lessons to those that are not good at it. It is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, who is off this week. A reminder that our question of the day at cjob.com. What do you think of more retailers and businesses moving to cashless payments? At cjob.com, 53% say, I hate it. Take my cash. 24% say, I'm good with it. And 23% say, I'm on the fence. And then at Twitter, we've got 49% who say, I'm fine with it. 20% I'm on the fence. 31% say, I hate it. Take my cash. So you can cast your vote, cjob.com, or on Twitter at 680cjob. And maybe we'll get that up on uh, Instagram as well. But in the meantime, all morning, Clay Young of Global News Morning has been on site at the barricades at Brady Road Landfill. And he's brought us uh, some up to the minute updates from that barricade situation. About 7.30, he let us know that one of the protesters had in fact poured gasoline over the wood and tire barricades that you may have seen on television. Basically, uh, lumber that's been uh, set, set up as a barricade inside, used tires and set up across Brady Road. And Clay let us know once again, that a protester had poured gasoline across the entirety, an entire length or width of that barricade. Clay asked if the intention was to set that on fire. And essentially the answer was, this is just in case. And all sorts of conversation coming out of Clay's visit to Brady Road, including uh, live here on 680 CJOB with Janice Lukes. And just moments ago with City Councilor Russ Wyatt. I'm with uh, City Councilor Russ Wyatt from the Transcona Ward. So you're out here, uh, you're looking at the main barricade. Some of the uh, supporters of the barricade are here. Your thoughts? Well, I never thought I would see this today in 2023. I'm old enough to remember the Oka crisis when uh, a municipality tried to develop a golf course on Indigenous lands in Oka, Quebec. And the blockades that happened in 1990 and the violence and everything else that took place. And I pray to God that this does not repeat itself here. The Premier of Manitoba is responsible for this. She should not have made the decision to tell these families this. She should have worked with the federal government. The federal government should be paying for this. All of this, if you, all the struggling and suffering that's going on with the Indigenous people today in Manitoba, if you look at one policy of the federal government, for over 100 years and it's the residential school system. If you think about the people who are struggling in the bus shelters 
and we're wondering about that just remember the residential schools this is all linked to one community you target one community based on race based on their race for over 100 years taking away their children you literally smash families over seven or eight or nine generations you're going to have families that are struggling we have missing and murdered indigenous women what kind of country has missing and murdered women right that's what we have today in this country you have women who have been buried in a landfill and people are saying it's the money let's talk about the money let's talk about the money and the billions that are spent today in this country and in this province on family services over 14,000 kids in foster care failed system that gives them no love the justice system courts the prisons the billions that are being spent now basically to, to deal with an issue that has been created by federal government policy that has smashed families families that now need healing instead of implementing programs of healing and spending money there and turning this around we're going to just make matters worse. Okay, I'm gonna, I, I'm going to jump in though. Yeah. Um, according to the mayor, uh, the barricades have to come down because each day they're up, it impedes the operation of the Brady Landfill site, and it could cause uh, a, a, a severe environmental problem each day this continues. I was on the phone with the mayor yesterday, and I said to the mayor, "Look." And from what I understand, we have not looked at other options. We, we have lots of municipalities around the city that have landfills. Nobody's talked to them. We have a, a, a secondary access to this landfill that apparently washes out. What kind of, this is our only major landfill in the city. We don't have a secondary access and it washes out with rain. Are you kidding me? Uh, you know, there's options that keep, allow us to deal with our garbage. That's a, that, that's a non-issue. The issue here is the decision by the Premier to tell these families we're not going to look for the ball. I can guarantee you that if this was a white family and it was a white family politically connected in this province and it's a small province and a small city, this government would be digging up that landfill as of yesterday. The fact of the matter is that these folks are now out here putting up a barricade because they have no other alternative. It should never have come to this. The federal government still has a report. The federal government should be paying for the lion's share. They created the problem over 100 years of this residential school problem policy, and they need to step up, and the premier should be leading the charge on that. And instead, she's turned around and created so much pain for, I can only imagine, I can only imagine if my mother, you know, had been murdered and dumped in a landfill. Would I want to find her body? Would I want closure? You're goddamn right I would. I feel just as passionate. For these people, I'm trying to place myself in their shoes and how they must feel. City Councillor Russ Wyatt with our own Clay Young. Uh, that just a few moments ago at the Brady, Brady Road landfill, the site of a barricade of a protest over the situation with regard to really what amounts to bread a stalemate over statement uh, from the Premier of Manitoba last Thursday saying that the province of Manitoba would have no part in a search of the Prairie Green landfill. We had, um, we heard from one of the, the people that Clay, I believe the name was Ty, one of the protesters, and Clay asked, what's the end game here? What is it that would prompt you and your fellow protesters to leave peacefully? And Ty said, for the Premier to simply come back to the negotiating table to try to find a better solution than simply we're not going to back this search. We got some feedback yesterday. I'm not going to use this person's name, but this person says, as an Indigenous person, 
I find this blockade wrong. It is just creating more div- more division and turning public opinion against the underlying issue. And on the issue of the actual search, I'd rather see the $184 million put towards work on the underlying causes that led to these deaths and preventing future deaths and helping the living instead of risking the lives of searchers in the hope that we might find the remains. And they go on to say, I don't believe for one second that we would even consider spending this money to look for any other person uh, or for any other race. So the I take that to mean the implication if it was not an Indigenous person, then we wouldn't even consider uh, spending that money. So we thank you for that feedback. And we had other feedback yesterday, and I can't remember the name of the listener, but they said if it was my body in the landfill, I would hope that they would leave me alone and just let me rest. So there's no, there's no right answer here. There's no wrong answer. This is, a, this is uh, and I said to this person, this is as difficult an issue to discuss as I think we've ever discussed because how do you tell somebody they're wrong to want to find the remains of their loved one? But at the same time, how do you say you're right to demand that we spend this money and the feasibility, because Leah Gazan yesterday, the MP Leah Gazan, she said the, the study said it's feasible. But she left out the part that said at significant risk to those who go in mm-hmm. looking for these remains. And we've had people who say they've worked in situations like this and they say you do not want to search a landfill at any co- at, for any reason, the risk of getting hit with a needle or the exposure to asbestos or other potential dangers that lie within that could be grievous. I've never searched a landfill. I have no idea what it would be like, but I would imagine it would be as difficult an environment to dig around in as there is that we can think of. There's a reason why it hasn't been done to this point for the reasons that you outlined, Brett. There's a lot of telling going on here in terms of people telling other people one thing, a lot of people saying one thing while others are saying another. And you heard from Ty Delaron, one of the protesters, Clay asked, what would it take for this barricade to go away? He says, well, I want to talk to the premier. I want to sit down, have a conversation. And that's been my, my biggest question from the get-go. Who has been involved in these discussions? Where is the... Where is the effort to find a consensus as to what, A, makes sense, what is feasible? We have these feasibility studies that break it down with regard to financial implications, potential safety implications, and it even goes into the harm that it could cause for the, for the families, for the community involved. What happens, it even talks about what happens if we go and do the search, and no remains are found. What happens if remains are found? It really does look at all aspects, but the federal government has not weighed in on this yet. And so Russ Wyatt saying that the, that the premier on Thursday made a mistake by coming out and saying that the province wouldn't be a part of something that the federal government has yet to declare whether or not they would be a part of. Where's the consultation? Where is the agreement here? as opposed to people telling one another what they're going to do and not do. That's the biggest question I have, Brett. 